But today is also Father's Day, and if you know me, if you know anything about me, fatherhood is one of my, my uh, passions. It's one of those topics that, that I love to talk about because it's something that I'm passionate about, not coming from a place of, of perfection or like I've got it all together, but really coming from a place of, you know what, I grew up in a home without a father. I've made a ton of fatherhood mistakes, and I believe that God has shown me some things through those mistakes that I can use to help other men uh, be better husbands, be better fathers. And so those are my personal passions in ministry. I love to talk about marriage and fatherhood and spiritual formation. Those three things for me um, are really where it's at in terms of this is, this is what motivates me. This is what gets me going. These are the things that I, I love to talk about. And today's fatherhood message is going to be kind of a brief message, a very simple message, but I think the, the content of the message is very impactful if we're willing to internalize it and willing to apply it to our lives. Uh, I don't have the TV up here with me. There's not going to be a, any scriptures on the screen. I'm actually going to pause for a moment because there should be a link on YouTube where you can go and download a little sheet like this. Yours isn't going to be color-coded and filled out like mine. These are my notes. Ha, ha, ha. I cheated. But you know, you can, you can print this out. It has some blanks for you to fill in where you can kind of follow along the passage of scriptures on the top of that uh, sheet. And we're doing this in person right now at City Park uh, for a pop-up church. They have the same sheet that they can follow along with. Um, but I did it this way because I want you guys, and this, this message is for you too, ladies, but, but I want you men to really, uh, let's practice what we're about to talk about. Let's practice what we're about to talk about. And sometimes the best way to internalize that stuff is to take notes, is to read along, is to have something tangible in your hands. So I wanted to put this piece of paper uh, in your hands and so that you can take notes, you can follow along, and we can go through this message together, something that I'm just calling practical fatherhood. It's really basic, just some encouragement for you guys, but hopefully will help you be a better father. And we're going to look at a really... Um, a passage of scripture that, that if I'm being honest with you, I did not originally intend to use for this message. It's a passage of scripture that I was actually going to use preparing for a message next week. Uh, and if you are able to join us in person next week, I would love for you to do that because we're going to have communion Sunday morning. I'm going to present a message called The Table that's based off of a portion of this passage we're about to go over um, today. But as I was preparing for this message, I really felt like the Lord was showing me in this that, that this passage really applies to fathers too. And so you're going to hear some of the same passage over the next two weeks, but I think God is going to weave all of this together in a way that really blesses us, that helps us grow as men and husbands and fathers, helps us grow as, as believers. Um, for everyone who's watching this, who's a believer, it will just really help us grow in the Lord as we propel into summer, a time where we can tend to disconnect and drift away a little bit. I really feel like these two messages will help us maybe kind of stay the course a little bit better for what God has called us to do over the summer. So I'm going to pause for a second, give you a moment just to print that little document out uh, there so you can have it with me and so we can follow along together. So here you go. Go ahead and print that out. I'll play some music in the background, do a little Jeopardy. Doom, 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 doom. I'm kidding. I'll stop. But you can just pause this on your TV or on your device. Go ahead and print that out and then jump back in, unpause this, and we'll jump back in uh, together. So now that you have that in your hands, you realize the passage of scripture we're going to go through today is Psalm 23. And it's talking about the Lord as my shepherd, the Lord as the good shepherd. And as I was thinking through this and preparing for this, I really began to realize the, the amazing correlations between our heavenly father and him as our shepherd and us as earthly fathers and how the role that we're called to do is really the role of a shepherd, that we're guarding sheep, we're providing for sheep, we're taking care of sheep. So 
in our homes, we are shepherds that God has placed there to tend to the sheep that he's entrusted to us. These sheep are our children and we are shepherds in that context. Let's just read through this passage once uh, briefly, and then we're going to go back through and just break a few things down. Again, this message is going to be uh, pretty, pretty clean, pretty concise, pretty uh, short, but I just wanted to break these things down for you. So Psalm 23 starts, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Before we dive into this, I just want to give you one quick statistic about dads and the importance of dads in the home. And this statistic is about when dads are the first ones to come to Christ in their family. And the statistic basically says this, that when dad comes to Christ first, 93% of the time, the whole family follows. When mom comes to Christ first, it's only 17% of the time that the whole family follows. And when the kids come to Christ first, it's only 3.5% of the time that the whole family follows. And in that one little statistic, we should be able to see the importance of godly men in our homes. We should be able to see the the depth of, of what it really means to be a godly husband and a godly father and the impact that we can have on our families when we step into that role and we step into that role properly, which is why this, this topic of fatherhood and that topic of marriage are so beneficial to us, but also so, so important to me personally, because I understand the impact that we're able to have, men. One of the statements that, I, that I've made over the years and, and something that God taught me early on is that God likes to use men as the catalyst for change in their homes. God likes to use us as the catalyst for change. And I think part of the problem that we have right now as a society, part of the problem that we have right now in the church is that all of the, all of the onus for this stuff is falling on our women. It's falling on our wives. It's it's falling on our daughters. We've, men have kind of taken a step back. Like we've removed ourselves from the situation and we're allowing, and when I say allowing, it's almost because of necessity that the ladies have had to step up and step in and take over in some situations And I think in some ways, because they're stepping outside of what God designed them to do, that's why our children are hurting. I mean, we're designed to give discipline and character and stuff to our, especially to our sons. But when they're having to receive those things from their mother, who's a natural nurturer, and sometimes that goes bad. Not going to go too far into that. I don't want to upset you ladies. I know some of y'all are out there and you're working really hard and you're doing the best you can. And, and God will reward your diligence in that. I was raised by a single mother in combination with my, my two grandmothers. So I know what it means to be a man that was raised by uh, women. I understand that wholeheartedly. And I know the work and the sacrifice that you ladies put in uh, to make that happen when dad is not in the picture. And so I applaud you for doing what you're doing. But men, I need us to step up. I need us to step up. Now, back into this passage, let's break this down a little bit. So the passage starts, the Lord is my shepherd. And if you understand anything about shepherds, what you really understand is that in this context, in this time in scripture, a shepherd was one who tended to the sheep. He was the one who had to guard the sheep. The sheep were totally his responsibility. The shepherd would lay down his life for the sheep. In fact, Jesus says in the book of John that the good shepherd does just that. He lays down his life 
for the sheep. And because the shepherd is there, the sheep are safe. They know that they are secure. So if the Lord is my shepherd and men, we're making this correlation to us as fathers that we are shepherds in our home. Are we doing that? Are we willing to lay down our life for the sheep? And I don't mean just lay down your life in a physical way, because I know most of us as dads would gladly, if we knew our child was in harm, we would jump in front of a train or a speeding car or a bullet or whatever it takes to take care of them. We would do that. But I really mean lay down your life in terms of putting your wants, your desires, and your needs and stuff on the shelf to tend to your sheep. Because the next thing he goes on to say is, I shall not want. Because of God's presence in my life, because he is the shepherd in my life, there is nothing that I want for. And men, we need to create environments like this as much as possible. Now, I realize that we are not God and that they're still going to have some wants and some voids in their life that only God can fill. But God has put us here as representatives for them of what it means for them to connect to their heavenly father. If they have a good connection with their earthly father, it'll be so much easier for them to connect with their heavenly father. So what type of representative are you being? He goes on to say, he makes me lie down in green pasture. So that first blank at the bottom of your page, I want you to write the word makes there. And let's talk about this for a second. He says that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And as you write that word makes, understand that this is an action verb, that God is being active in this and that he's making the sheep lie down in a green pasture. And that word makes can mean two different things. When we think about making something, we tend to think about either creating something or forcing something. If I'm making something, I'm building it with my hands, I'm shaping it, I'm molding it, I'm making it into what I want it to be. The other side of make is I'm forcing it into a place. I am making it do something. But both of these come together for me to create this thing that we call discipline. It's discipline. So my question for you is, are you disciplining your children? Are your children living a disciplined life? And I'm not talking about discipline just in the terms of of punishment. Are you spanking your kids? Are they getting grounded? That kind of stuff. I'm talking about discipline that creates healthy patterns in their life, discipline that gives them boundaries. Because understand this, a child without boundaries and a child without structure will tend towards chaos. So if you're struggling in your home, if you're struggling with your kids, if you're struggling with their behavior, I would ask you, what boundaries have you put in place to keep them, to make them lie down in green pastures? The other side of that equation, though, is are you creating green pastures? Are you creating places where they can rest? Are you creating places of refuge for them? Is your home a place that is, is, is a comfort to them? Or is your home a place of turmoil? Are you, are you one of those dads who comes home angry all the time? And so when your kids see you, they're fearful and they are afraid. Or are you that dad who, when you walk in the door, your whole family is now at peace because they know that they can have rest and be secure because your presence is there? Are you making them lie down in green pastures? And are you creating those green pastures for them? This is our role as fathers. This is our role, men, in this is not just to discipline our kids when they're wrong, but to create boundaries for them. And those boundaries should be within green pastures. We should be putting boundary fences up that say these are the green pastures that you lie down in. When you get outside of these boundaries, that's when you're outside of the green pastures. That's when you're in the dry places and the wastelands and the desert places. But when you're inside these boundaries, you're in a green pasture that that is created for you and you can find rest you can find refuge, you can be nourished here, you can grow here, and you can flourish here. The next thing he says here is, he leads me beside still water. So that next blank at the bottom of your page, you can write the word leads in there. And for me, leads means directs or aims like an archer would aim 
an arrow. So he leads me beside still waters. What this really means is that for us dads, we are the ones who are kind of pointing where our kids are going to go. Are you leading them? And besides still waters, if you think about this analogy that, that King David is using here, for a sheep, they're going to be thirsty, right? And they're going to look for these waters. And typically with a creek, it has a part where the waters are rushing. There's a lot of rocks, there's crags, the waters are, are a little bit stronger, the current is stronger, the sheep can fall in and get washed downstream. So what the shepherd would do is the shepherd would purposefully lead the sheep to a place where the waters were still so that the sheep could drink and their thirst could be quenched. But it would be in a way where they were safe, where there was no danger of them being swept downstream. And here's what I would encourage us with with this part, dads, is these still waters for us. Right now, we live in a society that's full of turmoil, full of chaos. The waters are not still. There's currents that are washing our kids every direction, telling them that this thing is okay and this thing is okay and just love yourself and pursue this and pursue that. And they're being forced down this current, this stream that is leading them anywhere but a place of still waters. Are you instilling in them the things that they need? Are you creating still waters that they can drink from? Some of this comes from our consistency. It comes from our relationship with God. It comes from us being in tune with his word and knowing what's right and what's wrong and living according to his word. You know, a few years ago, I had the privilege of, of speaking to a group of middle schoolers and high schoolers at a conference. Um, and the topic of conversation was, how should we as Christians relate to the people in the LGBTQ plus community? Like, how should we do that? And so I have this room full of Christian kids who their whole life have been told that biblically those things are wrong. And those things are wrong from a biblical perspective. Um, but these kids in this room, when I asked them, I'm like, do you think that homosexuality is wrong? They would all say, yeah, the Bible says it's wrong. But then I would ask them like, okay, so, so what do you say when you encounter someone that's homosexual? Not trying to get them to be like, okay, you're wrong, you're a sinner, you're going to hell, any of that stuff. But just really wanting to know what they thought about this topic. And the answer that I got back from most kids is, I know the Bible says it's wrong, but I see my parents do so many other things that the Bible also says is wrong. Like, how can we just hold this one group accountable if we're not going to be accountable for all of it? And that impacted me because I realized, again, in that moment, the impact that we have on them as fathers, the impact that we have on them as parents. You know, it's, it's hypocritical for us to say, hey, Guys, you know, hey, kid, being gay is wrong. If you're having those feelings, that's wrong. But dad's going to go out here and get drunk tonight, and you're going to see me stumble in the house and can't even walk straight and all that stuff. Or dad's going to cuss mom out in the morning. We have to be careful about the message that we're sending because our kids are going to determine. When that passage in Colossians talks about train up your children in the fear and instruction of the Lord, a big part of that training is what you model. And so your kids are going to determine what they believe based off of what they see in you if you are the primary one telling them that they need to follow Christ. And this is why it's so important for us as fathers to understand that we are discipling our children, because when you are discipling someone, what they are really doing is they're walking along beside you. And when you understand that your child is walking along beside you in this spiritual journey and that you're guiding them to life in Christ, you begin to understand the depth or the importance of your behavior in front of them, how you treat them, how you talk to them, how do you treat their mom, how do you talk to mom? Those things are so important if we're going to lead them beside still waters because, again, the current that is in our culture right now is anything but still. It's forcing them in a direction that we as parents don't want our kids to go. We need to take them and lead them to a place that is still where they can drink from the well where they will never thirst again. 
But we have to lead them to that place. And that leading comes oftentimes from how we live out that life. Are you leading your kids beside still waters? The next verse, verse three goes on to say, he restores my soul. So the shepherd restores my soul. So in your third block, uh, dad, you can go ahead and write the word restores, which means we rebuild, we refresh. It's a breath of life, a breath of fresh air. You restoring your kids' souls. When your kid comes in and says, dad, I had a rough day at school today. Are you the, hey man, you just got to suck it up and tough it out, dad. And sometimes that's necessary. Don't hear me wrong on this. Sometimes that is absolutely necessary. We got to build some toughness into our children. But that's not the case 90% of the time. That's the case probably 10 to 15% of the time. But oftentimes as dads, we use that 90% of the time. And the 10% of the time is when we're comforting. But are you breathing fresh life into your children? Do your children feel refreshed? When they walk away from you, do they feel encouraged? Do they feel like they can go out and tackle anything that's in front of them? This is what restoring my soul means, because, again, our kids are in a culture where they're being forced down this current, this current of lies, this current of of culture, just saying, go and do and be whatever and follow this path. And we're telling them to go a different way. And that creates tension for them. And oftentimes when that tension comes, it comes through their friends. They have their friends saying, well, you should be accepting of this and you should be good with this. And when they're not, they feel that tension. And so then they come home and they feel broken because this tension's been pulling at them all day. What are they getting from you? Are they getting that breath of fresh air? Is their soul being restored? Are they being built back up? Or are you just doing more tearing down? Are you just pushing them off, shoving them off, telling them to toughen up and, and, and suck it up and tough it out and all that stuff? Or are you restoring their soul? He goes on to say that he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. So again, that word leads means to direct or aim like an archer. He goes on to say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no, no evil. And catch this next part. He says, for you are with me. You are with me. Do your kids know that you are with them? Dad, do your kids understand that you are with them? Do your kids walk through life fearing no evil because they know that you are with them, that they can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and they're going to be okay because you are with them. You are right there. Do they understand that your rod and your staff, they comfort them, that you have these tools that when they fall into a ditch, when they fall into a ravine, you can use your rod and your staff and, and you can protect them from the wolves, but you can also use that crook and you can pull them out that you are there to comfort them because they know that no matter where I go in life, no matter what path I walk in life, dad's going to be right there and he's going to comfort me. He's going to protect me. He's going to watch over me so that they don't have fear. So I used, to, I used to manage my household in such a way that I'm like, look, bro, when you're 18, you're out of here. I can't wait to that day when you're 18 and you get out of here. And I realized that what I was doing as I got older and more mature, I realized that what I was doing was I was preparing or I was forcing my kids, I was making my kids get ready to launch, in some cases sooner than they were ready to launch. And so you, when you launch that way, you go out into the world with fear. You go out into the world with uncertainty. You go out into the world with this mentality where I have to figure this out. And I decided that I wanted to be a launching pad for my kids in a good way. Not a, not a kick out pad, not a, not a get to stepping pad, but a launching pad. I want them to start where I am and take off from there, not start below me and have to build up to where I am and then hope they exceed me. And that shift of perspective changed something for me because now as I'm preparing these, this, this young man, this young woman for adulthood, instead of preparing them for, okay, you got to get out at 18, I'm teaching them that I'm here for you. 
I'm going to comfort you. My rod and my staff, they're going to protect you. And what that means for you is that when you're ready to launch, you can launch. Not that you can be a 38-year-old bum laying on my couch playing video games, but you know what? If you're in school, if you're pursuing your degree and you got a good job and you're working hard and you're just not ready to step out yet, that's okay. Dad's here. We're going to protect you. We're going to guard you. And guess what? If I have a dollar, you have a dollar. You never have to fear about going without, about being alone, about being afraid. I don't want you to go into the world with fear. I want you to go into the world with the assurance that my dad, my father is with me. He's not going to leave me or forsake me so I can face anything that comes my way because I know that if I need to, I can go back to my father. That's what being a shepherd is all about. Our sheep should never go out in fear. They should never go out wondering if they're going to be protected. They should go out absolutely knowing I am protected. I'm covered. This, this shepherd, he comforts me with his rod and his staff because he's always with me. What about you? How are you with your kids on that topic? Do your kids know that you are for them and that you are always with them, that your rod and your staff will comfort them. He goes on to say, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. So in the next blank, you can write the word prepare, but you see, you got to catch that one next week. We're not going to talk about that one in detail today. And then he says, you anoint my head with oil. You anoint my head with oil. And so in that next blank, you can write the word anoint. And that means that what are you, are you covering and imparting and preparing them for the mission. And here's the thing I want you to understand about this analogy of the shepherd anointing the sheep's head with oil. The shepherds would pour oil on the sheep's head because there were these flies that would fly around and try to lay their eggs in the soft tissue of the sheep's nose. And then these eggs would become an irritant as they would hatch and grow and, and kind of feed on the sheep in a sense and use the moisture from the sheep's nose. It would become such an irritant to the sheep, right? And so they would pour this oil, this anointment oil on the head to keep the irritants away, to keep these pests away. And so when you think about this idea of, of covering your sheep in your home, you're providing, you're anointing them with this, this oil. What you're doing is you're saying, I'm going to keep all of these irritants. I'm going to keep all of these pests away from you because I want you to be able to grow in a nurturing environment. I want you to lie down in green pastures. I want you to drink from still waters. And I understand to do that, that I need to be the one that, that is anointing you, that's keeping these irritants away from you. This word anointing has another context with it though also, and that is to impart something. So what are you imparting to your children? What are you anointing them with? Now, men, whether you realize it or not, we're natural teachers. It's what we do. That's why most of us as dads can't wait to, like, if we like to work on cars, we want our son to come in the garage or our daughter to come in the garage. Let me tell you what these tools are. Let me show you how to do this. We're natural teachers, but we're teachers with our action and with our hands more so than with our words. And so what, what happens a lot of times is society is telling us that we need to teach more with words, but I would encourage you guys, teach more with your hands. If you like to fish, take your son fishing. If you like golf, take your son golfing. If you work on cars, let your son work on a car with you. Take your daughter out with you. Take her fishing. Maybe she loves to do that stuff too. Teach her how to play golf. Teach impart to your kids the things that you can through your actions, through passing on wisdom and knowledge, through passing on skills. What are you imparting to your children. But let me caution you in this, in this one thing. So I have three sons. Now, just to give you a little background on my family, Rashida and I have a blended family. Uh, when we met, she had two kids from a previous marriage. I had one kid, and then we came together, had two more kids. So we have these five kids, right? 
And in this, I had to learn early on that all five kids are totally different. They have different personalities. They have different love languages. They have different ways of learning. They have different hobbits. Hobbits, wow. They're not hobbits, although a couple of them are pretty short. But they have different habits, (laughs) different things that they are into. And I had to learn that. Because if you don't take the time to learn that, what you'll end up trying to do is force your kid into this mold of a mini you. And I did that uh, with two of my sons. Like, hey, guys. You're going to be athletes. You're going to play sports. Let's get into this basketball. Let's do this. Let's do that. And for one son, that worked out well. For another son, wasn't into the sports thing. So the sports wasn't, wasn't his big deal. And I don't know if you can hear that horn blowing. Somebody's alarm's going off in the parking lot. They better get that. And I hope it's not mine. Anyway, back to what I'm saying here. So they had, I had one that was really into sports. The other one's into computers and photography and video and all that kind of stuff. And when I learned to pay attention to what my kids were into, it better positioned me to be in relationship with them. The other thing that it did, and here's why I really want to challenge you, man. So my son, Isaiah, many of you know him, the one who's really into photography and video and stuff like that. When I decided that, hey, instead of me trying to force you to be who I was and live vicariously through you, I'm going to try to understand who you are. It created an opportunity where he was able to impart some things to me. He was able to teach me some things. I didn't know anything about cameras, and he's teaching me about iris and f-stop and all this other stuff. And I actually started to develop a, an appreciation for cameras and photography and stuff that I would have never had had I not been willing to allow him to impart some things to me, had I not been willing to notice what is he into and spend time with him in that, in that environment. And so then he could then impart some things to me. So in this situation where I'm anointing my kids, that anointing was flowing back the other way, too. There were some things that he was imparting to me. And I know in a biblical perspective, when we talk about anointing, it's really the Holy Spirit and giving us extra power or an extra measure of his power and grace to do a task, a specific task that he's given us. But this is the same thing. You can anoint your kids in different ways. If you have multiple children, they may not all be into the same things, but it doesn't mean that you're not gifted to anoint them into what they are into. Right. And so you have to take the time to understand your children, to learn them, to know them so that you can properly anoint them for the task that is ahead, because you're not always going to be with them. We all hope and pray that our children outlive us. Right. Which means that there is going to be a time where your child and hopefully it's a long time down the road. Hopefully you have a long and beautiful life with them. But there's going to come a time where your children are going to be on this planet without you. And they're going to need those things that you anoint them with, those things that you impart to them to carry on when you're not here. Those are the things that they're going to pass on to their children and their children's children and and down the generational line. And I feel like some of the brokenness that we have right now in our nation is because we've kind of stopped that process. We've stopped We've stopped the anointing process. There's no more passing on to generation to generation to generation. So we have these young people who are growing up and they're having to find their own way and they're having to do their own thing as opposed to entering life with this, this anointing, entering life with this covering, entering life, knowing that they have been prepared and led, that they've had time where they could, they've been made to lie down in green pastures so they could rest and get refuge, where they've been led by still water so that they could drink and from those waters and not be thirsty anymore, where their souls have been restored by this man that God has put in their house as shepherd to tend to them and care for them. We have such a powerful opportunity, men, to be godly fathers to our children, which brings up this next part where he says, my cup overflows. 
Have you anointed your child in such a way that their cup will overflow? And then he goes on to say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Here's my question for you on that one. And and I'm going to be careful with this one. But it's a sincere question. And it goes back to something I said a few minutes ago about preparing our kids and us being a launching pad instead of, instead of being so quick to want to put them out. And, and for some of us guys, I get it. That's how we were treated, right? We were, we were kind of brought up in the, you know, you got to get out of here, buddy. And I, and I do think that there is a measure of validity to that. Like you don't want to raise your kids to be kids forever. We are in the process or, or in the business of raising adults, if you will. That's our responsibility, dad, is to raise an adult, not to raise a kid. The world doesn't need, you know, 30-year-old kids. The world, the world needs 30-year-old adults um, who are out here and who are able to contribute to society and, and who are able to do the things that God has gifted them to do in a way that, that brings blessing and favor on all of those that are around them, to their homes, to their wives, their children, all that stuff. That's what we're raising. But is your home a home that your kids want to dwell in? And here's why I'm going to be careful with this. Sometimes our kids rebel against the boundaries that we put up to create these green pastures. And so I'm not talking about your kid not wanting to be there because they don't like the green pasture boundaries, right? And I hope you understand what I'm saying with that. So if you have rules in your home that are designed to make your kids lie down in green pastures, I'm not telling you to change those rules. By all means, that's our job to create those boundaries so that our kids are safe and secure and and to use discipline to keep them within those boundaries. That is our, our job in that sense. But what I'm saying is, is your home a place where your kids want to dwell? Is your home a place where when your kids are grown and they have families on their own that they can't wait to come back to? to visit mom and dad because they, that, they know that's their refuge. They know that's the place where they were refreshed. Their soul was restored there. They know that they could drink uh, from still waters there or lie down in green pastures. Do they want to come back for those reasons? Or can your kids not wait to get away from you because you're mean and evil and hateful and bitter and, and just full of, of hypocrisy and wrath and all that stuff? Like, what is your home like? And this is a bigger question for me, and this is the last blank on, on your sheet is, what is your legacy? What is your legacy? Because that's what this is really talking about. What is your legacy? Do they want to dwell with you? We're raising adults who long to be with you, who, who like you, but are, are capable uh, of being who God has called them to be. That's our goal. We, we want to raise children who become adults who are capable of being all that God has called them to be, but, but they also long for the days of being with mom and dad. They long to come back to that dwelling place, not in a bad way, not in a way that stunts their growth, but in a way that understands that in your presence, it's fullness of joy. And I don't mean that in a, in a uh, blasphemous way, like because I know the psalmist says that in God's presence, there's, there's fullness of joy. But, but I think there's some correlation there that, that because we are earthly representatives of our heavenly father to our children, do they find joy when they're with you? That's not a difficult question, but we have, it's one that we really need to ask ourselves. Like, what have we trained our kids? What environment have we created for our children? And so again, I, I told you I was going to keep this message short. I just wanted to kind of break down Psalm 23 in a way that, that related to fathers. And men, I hope that this challenges you uh, to make or create space for your kids, to create boundaries for your kids 
uh, that, that makes them lie down in green pastures. I hope that this challenges you to lead your kids beside still waters to not get so caught up in the current of culture and media and all the stuff that's happening around you that you're keeping them in a turbulent stream, but that you're leading them to a place where they can be beside still waters. I hope that this challenges you to create an environment where you can restore your children's soul, where you can breathe life into them, that fresh air that they need to get through each and every day. I hope that, they, that your kids know that you are with them, that you're rotting your staff, that you'll comfort them, that, that when they fall into ditches and traps and stuff, that you'll be the one to, that you'll pull them out, that dad will be there to care for them, that you're going to correct them, but that you're going to do those things for them. I hope that this challenges you to anoint your kids to impart something to them that they can carry on uh, beyond your years to leave something with them, whether it's it's your character, your discipline, your integrity, the skills that you have, that you're teaching them to work with their hands, that you're you're helping them pull out the gifts that God put into them and that you're aiming them like arrows in the hand of a skillful water warrior. I hope that this challenges you to do that. And I hope that this challenges you to create a home space that your kids long to dwell in, that they long to come back home to you, that they can't wait to be in your embrace, that they miss the days uh, when they're grown and out of the house, that they miss the days of knowing that they were in the safety and security of dad. Like that they felt, they knew that you were strong, that you were stable, that you were there, that you were present with them. And they long for that to the point where they want to pick up the phone and call you just to hear your voice so that they feel that. Not in in a codependent kind of way, but in a healthy way. And I hope that this all challenges you, this, this practical fatherhood, these practical keys that they challenge you uh, to create that environment for your kids. Because I believe that's who God has called us to be, that he's called us to be shepherds in our home the way that he's a good shepherd to us, that he makes us lie down in green pastures, that he leads us beside still waters, that he restores our soul, that he leads us in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to fear any evil because he's with us and his rod and his staff, they comfort us, that he prepares a table uh, for us in the presence of our enemies, that he anoints our head with oil so that the irritants and the pest of life are kept away, that our cup overflows, that we have blessing and anointing that overflows in our life and that surely goodness and mercy will follow us because we've been in his presence. We've spent time with him, that it will follow us all the days of our life and that we will dwell in his house forever, that we'll have that longing, that hope to be with him and dwell with him forever. I hope that this message challenges you uh, to do all of that Um, and it encourages you to just keep being the father that God has called you to be. Amen. Men, dads, right where you are, I want you to stand with me for a moment. I want to pray over you because I believe that in this world that we're in right now, that our culture needs fathers more than at any other time in our history, that we need dads. We need good men who are going to be good, solid, strong fathers in their home. They're going to shepherd their kids the right way. So let me pray over you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each and every man that's standing right now. I pray, Lord, that that as you see these fathers, as you see their heart, their desire to shepherd the sheep that you've entrusted to their care, Lord, I pray that you would equip them to do this well. I pray that you would equip them to do this successfully, that you would give them the strength and the grace and the wisdom and the courage that they need, Lord, to stand firm on your word, uh, to shepherd the way that you've called us to, to create these environments that their kids need, where their kids can flourish and grow and be launched out into the world, uh, ready ready and capable to do all that you've called them to be because dad has, has done his portion, has done his part of creating those green pastures and making them lie down, of leading them beside still waters, of restoring their soul, of anointing them. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us as men 
to anoint our children for the task at hand, specifically as fathers to sons, that that we would equip our sons to be the next generation of godly men, that we would equip them to be loving husbands and loving fathers, that they would be good shepherds in their home, that they would be good shepherds in their churches, good shepherds in their workplace, good shepherds in their community. Lord, I pray that you would help us to anoint them and instill in them the skills that they will need to move forward, uh, even beyond our years, Father God, and that you would continue to bring men into our life who can father us and shepherd us and lead us uh, as we lead our children. Lord, I pray for over all the moms um, who are doing the single mom thing right now, who are or raising kids by themselves, and the dads who are, doing, who are being single dads who are raising children by themselves, Lord. You know the things that those kids are lacking. And I pray that you would provide for those things the way that you did for me growing up without a dad. There were so many men that you brought across my path who even for a season could just demonstrate this is what it means to be a man. This is what it means to be a father. And I pray over those situations that that you would provide what's lacking, that you would give those parents an extra measure of grace, of mercy, of strength, of endurance, of joy and peace, knowing that you are with them, that your rod and your staff will comfort them. And you've anointed them for this task. Father, I thank you for your church. I thank you for your people. I pray that you would help us to go out and be the church that you've called us to be and that we would start in our homes by being good fathers, good husbands, uh, good men, that you would use us as the catalyst for change in the world around us. And we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, fathers, I hope you enjoy the rest of the